All right, get your Bibles out. Here we go. Matthew 11. This is a standalone sermon this morning, and uh, next week we're starting a new sermon series called Go Coastal. And uh, next week, for eight weeks, we're going to be talking about how, as believers, as a church, one of the reasons that God has left us here on earth is to evangel, to take the, the name and fame of Christ, to herald, to tell others about how much God has loved us in Christ through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, His Son, Jesus, and, and our job is to herald that. So we're, we're going to be preparing for that. And in fact, I can't stress this enough. We were going to highlight a little more this week with the hurricane. We made some changes. But uh, in fact, if it, uh, it's an eight-week series that I really... I can't stress this enough. We want 100% of people that call Coastal their home church to be in a small group. It's an eight-week commitment, okay? And so if you, it's been a while since you've been in a small group. Uh, if you've never been in a small group, please, please consider being in a small group. If you're like, man, what's a small group look like? Okay, well, guess what? I've got something for you today. It's called Group Link. It's after the 11 o'clock service. It's at 1230. It's upstairs, which the stairwell's right behind you on the way out here, child care and lunch provided, and it's kind of a, hey, uh, dip your toe in the water, small group, all right? We're going to talk to you about what we do, what they're like, and even, even do kind of a miniature small group so you get a feel, okay? And so group link is today. I want you to check it out, all right? And so, uh, and then if you go to the welcome desk, and we'll hand these out next week, but if you want a little bit of, man, I want to know, go to the welcome desk. This is our small group pamphlet. Uh, we're highlighting about 25 to 30 small groups that aren't as as full as some others are. And uh, so we have uh, well over 60, almost 70 small groups, but we're only highlighting the ones that really could use some new faces in them. Uh, because what happens is when we have some of the bigger ones and then we advertise and then they turn into small churches, okay? And so uh, kind of doesn't go, doesn't do what we're, have the desired effect. And so, and so listen, if you're not in one, I promise you, you can find one that fits your schedule, fits your place in life or whatever, and, and be a part of a small group. Yes? All right, please, I can't emphasize that enough. And even what I'm about to talk about this morning lends itself to that. So today's a little bit of a standalone sermon, and uh, I want to talk about uh, a passage of Scripture that I would encourage you to memorize. Uh, it's, it's a passage of Scripture that means a lot to me. Uh, it challenges me and, uh, and encourages me at the same time. I, uh, you know, this past week, it was Thursday, I think, I was, I was exercising, and as I was kind of finishing my jog and I was walking home, I, I ran into my neighbor's wife, and, and uh, she asked me if, if my wife had evacuated. Now, uh, what I'm about to say is, is funny to everyone except first responders, okay? So if you're a first responder, forgive me, um, but uh, I'm not leaving, all right? I'm just not. Like, I love bad weather. I'm a little bit Lieutenant Danish, you know? Remember Lieutenant Tan? He's like, bring it on. That's kind of me. Like, man, I love bad weather, snowstorms, hurricanes, thunderstorms, man. I just love it, love it, love it, and I, I don't know what it is. It's just like, man, this is awesome, and and I mean, if they were calling for a 20-foot storm surge, I'm out, okay? I get that, you know, I'm not going to drown, but, uh, you know, man, I just love it. And, and so I'd, when this lady asked me this, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know your husband's the same way. We talked the last time they evacuated, and him and I didn't leave, and, and you know, we kind of stayed, and you guys, you know, I make sure my wife and children get to safety, but, man, I got the generator. I'm pumped up, okay? So uh, it's kind of camping in my house kind of thing, and... and um, 
But, you know, one of the things she said to me that really stuck out to me, she said, man, I had to quit watching TV because it was just making me so anxious. You know, and I'm like, I get that. Like, you couldn't turn on the TV. I mean, it was just like everywhere, even your local channel. I mean, even while you're watching some TV shows, just scrolling underneath, you know, closing, and it just goes on and on and on. And, and we live in an information age where, you know, the news just bombards us with stuff, and, and it's hard to process it sometimes, and it's easy to live in kind of this anxiety-filled life. And, you know, I, this, this sermon is birthed out of a couple things, but one of the things is this idea that, you know, here we we are, we, we live in probably the wealthiest nation that's ever walked the planet. I mean, just think about that. I mean, of all the generations past, of all the kings of the earth, they, the, the kings of all the earth and generations past didn't, don't have the stuff that we have, right? The conveniences that we have. We have so much. And yet, I just find that we live in this culture where the anxiety needle is constantly pegged for people. And just kind of birthed out of that. And the sermon's kind of birthed out of this, too. And one of the things that I love that you guys do and, and I take serious, and, and so many people in the church take serious, is your prayer request. And they, they come in on the tear-off on the card. And, and if you use that, I'm so glad you use it. I hope you'll continue. And, and I know when I get the list, either on Monday or Tuesday, the latest, I pray over it. The elders pray over it. The prayer team prays over it. Like, we take those tear-offs seriously. And those prayer requests seriously, and you're prayed for. And, but, but one of the things that it breaks my heart is each week there's dozens, at least a half dozen, sometimes dozens of what I would call the anonymous prayer requests where there's no name and there's, I don't know if there's any connection and it's okay if you do that, but sometimes I see these prayer requests and my heart is just burdened by them. And as I read these prayer requests, as I pray for you, the church, and I think about as I'm doing sermon preparation, I'm thinking, man, the, we're coming in here with these, just these tremendous burdens in our heart. And, and by the way, this is a side note, like if you're here today and you're going through something and it's difficult and, and, and you are going to drop in an anonymous tear-off, please, you're welcome to put in a, a, a prayer request. We will pray for you, but I would encourage you, don't be anonymous. That's a part of what a church is for. Like we're here, that's what small groups are for. Like when I sit up here and say, be in a small group, be in a small group, it's not like, it's not like we're inflating some numbers around here that somehow help me. That's how we as a body grow. And listen, every single person, you, you run into things in life where you have a need and you need others to help you journey. All of us need that. That's what a small group is for. So if you just come in here week in and week out and Coastal's growing like crazy and, and it's easy to be anonymous, it's easy for you to have burdens and nobody knows about it. And that's not our heart. Our heart is for you to have others walk with you and journey with you. That's what a small group is, being one. And, and maybe you're in a season that's going great, fantastic, but there'll be a season you need others. And that comes in your small group. Sign up and be a part of one. And if you have a prayer need, our prayer team and our prayer chapel announces almost every week, like they're there for you. They really are. You know, go in the back on the way out and grab somebody and say, man, I have a need and I have prayer. I need prayer. And so this sermon this morning is, is kind of birthed out of this anxious, this anxiety that we have in our culture and the burdens that we all feel from time to time. And, and, and I just want this, as, as I read and pray through the request, this passage oftentimes comes to my mind. And it's Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30. So if you have your Bible, get it out. If you don't have a Bible, it's probably one in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, man, take that one with you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. This, it's really a prayer of Jesus, and it, it, if you read it in its context, 
there's a lot of disappointment, if you will, going on around the ministry of Christ. Um, John the Baptist, the beginning of the chapter starts with John the Baptist being disillusioned. You know, he's, he's already kind of baptized Christ, now he's in jail, and maybe Jesus' ministry didn't go quite the way John the Baptist thought it should, and he sends people to say, hey, ask him again, like, is he the real deal kind of thing, you know? So if you've ever had doubts, you're in good company, John the Baptist, Adam, okay? Does that encourage you? Encourages me. And then the next thing is like Jesus does ministries in these two cities and they don't, they don't really repent. And he actually says, man, if the works I did in these two cities had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah would still exist. Fascinating. So there's disappointment. People aren't responding to the ministry of Christ. And in the midst of all this disappointment and things not maybe going the way from earthly perspective, we think should go, Jesus says this. He says, and so it says, at that time, Jesus declared, it's a prayer to his father. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Circle little children. We're going to come back to that. And yes, Father, don't circle it in the chair Bible unless you take it with you, then you own it. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Man, I'm going to tell you something, church. Rest comes when we receive Jesus Christ with humility. Rest comes when we receive Jesus Christ with humility. A, a, a proud, Jesus is saying here that, you know, as he's doing this ministry in these cities that aren't repenting and are not coming to the gospel, he's saying that you, a proud heart can't receive Jesus. And if you don't receive Jesus into your heart and your life, then you don't have rest. And what's interesting is Jesus uh, prays uncomfortably, thanking his heavenly Father for hiding these truths from the hard-hearted. And the reason being is a hard-hearted person, uh, if you're here this morning, you're not yet a Christian, you haven't received Christ, it's really because you think somehow in your own mind's eye that you're clever, you're wise, you've got it together. Listen, Jesus is not for the people that have it together. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, you've already declared that you're needy, that you, you need help, that you, you've come to the end of yourself. There's no more that I can do. There's no, more that, no, no, more, no way that I can redeem myself. Jesus is saying to, to, to receive him, to know the rest of Christ, is to have a humble heart. Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians when he says this. He says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of them were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. What Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying, if, if you think you have it all together, you don't need Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for those who go, man, I am needy, I am broken, I am a sinner, I have come to the end of myself. And Jesus says the one that receives Christ is with a humble heart, receives them like a child. There's a, there's a childlikeness, a childlike faith. Matthew 18, Jesus says something similar when he kind of gathers up the children. And by the way, you have to know in like ancient Near Eastern culture, and for those, who, those of you who kind of think, man, the, the Bible is backwoods when it comes, the Bible's, you know, old, old when it comes to women's rights or children's rights. Listen, the Bible is the one that has redeemed the brokenness around women and children. 
right? In, in ancient Near Eastern time, women were not allowed to be educated at all. It was the church that said, no, women need to come in. And, and so when Paul's talking about learning and quietness and wait till you ask questions at home, all he's doing is teaching what a classroom looks like because women were never allowed in before the church opened the doors to education. Did you know that? See, we take those passages all wrong. Man, it's open. And, and around children in ancient Near Eastern culture, children were thought of as less than animals. What does this redeem the hope of children? It's, the, it's Christianity. It's raised the stature of children. And it's starting with Jesus right here when he says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Listen, to, if you want to know Christ and you want to know the rest of Christ, you have to have a humble heart that receives Christ. And, and Jesus here isn't talking about age. He's talking about dependence. We receive Christ with dependence. I mean, what is it that we love about children, right? Is their innocence and their dependence, right? If your kid was standing here on the edge of the stage and you're the father, you're the mother, and they say, hey, catch me, here I come. They don't think anything about it, right? I mean, if I threw myself into the first row right now, I have no idea what's going to happen, right? I don't know. They may catch, Marty may grab me, might not. Might just let me splat, you know? But children, man, are innocent, right? You take a kid and you throw them in the air as a parent. And, and at no point when you're doing that, your child squeals with glee. At no point they're going, man, dad, you going to catch me? I don't know. I saw you play softball last week. It wasn't pretty, you know? Like, no, they're totally dependent, right? Your kids, they, they just figure all their needs are going to be provided by you, don't they? I've got, I've got older teenagers, one 20-year-old. I'm wondering when that ends. But anyway, uh, apparently, I've been told it ends at some point. But all right. I mean, how many of you have had a five-year-old come up to you and say, hey, hey, mom and dad, you know, we probably should look at your 401k. Uh, had a 10-year run in the market. We should think about rebalancing maybe, you know, lighten up on the stocks, head to bonds, whatever, right? No, well, I just assume you've got it, right? You've got the goods, and Jesus is saying, I want you to depend on me like those children. That's a heart that's captured by Christ. And that's what he says in his prayer. And when we believe and we receive Christ, it's, it's not that you, you say, I'm no longer trusting in me. I'm not even trusting in religion, which is part of the context here because the Pharisees had made rules upon rules upon rules upon rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. Which rule is it that gets you into heaven that you have to keep? You know, I don't know. When you stop trusting in your worldly hopes, you trust in Christ with a, a childlike trust. What happens is we connect to our Creator. We connect to our Creator. Jesus here, in Matthew 11, verse 27, he, He's laying out for us the, the doctrine of the Trinity. Of course, He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's just talking about Him and His relationship with His Heavenly Father. But there's this oneness. God is one. He's revealed Himself in three persons. But he says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What Jesus is talking about is we connect to our Creator by connecting to Him. Listen, every single one of you it, it is created by our Heavenly Father. And one of the Part of our anxiety in this world, in our culture, is this horrible false teaching of evolution and Darwinism. 
which basically tells you, man, you're just a random set of accidents over enough time, chance, it, it kind of came together, and, and, and therefore you're not a moral or spiritual being, you're just a, you're just a, a step above the animals. And so absolutely, it's the survival of the fittest, and get what you can get, and, and if you've if, if you got to step on others to get it, then get it. Yeah, that creates a little anxiety, doesn't it? I better be the getter and not the gotten. No, you're created by God. Psalm 139, while you were in the womb of your mother, God was in there knitting you up perfectly as he intended for your life. There's no accident going on in your being. And so theologically, if you want to connect to your creator, who, by the way, knows best and made you and knows what you're here for and has purpose for you and all that, then you need to connect to your creator through Christ. Christ and the Father are one. And so we connect to our heavenly Father who made us by connecting to his son, Jesus Christ. That's the theological part. The practical part is that if you, you, know, if you want to connect, if you want to know why you're here, if you want to know your purposes, if you want to know, man, what it, you know, the, everything about you, right? Your strengths, your weaknesses, your gender, your size, your hair color, your race, all of that, none of that is by accident. All of that is on purpose so that God can use you. And finding yourself is not looking inward, right? That's what, the, that's what we're told all the time. Look inward. You really want to find yourself, just look inward. Like, follow your heart. Why is that stupid? You want to know why that's stupid? Because I've let myself down. Haven't you? Even myself's not reliable. So if I can't trust myself, who can I trust? Listen, hope and purpose isn't found in you. It's found outside of you. Worshiping your creator who made you and knitted you up and, and, and knows why you exist and what you exist for. And by the way, there's nothing in your life that's a surprise to him. He uses even your brokenness and your weaknesses for his glory when you, like a child, receive Christ. I remember... When I was um, in second grade, this is humiliating for a second grader, but I, I was born with a, with a birthmark right in the center of my forehead, and it looks like a giant bruise when I get hot and sweaty, okay? And as I've gotten older, it's gotten less, but when I was a kid, man, it was just bright red. And I remember I was always a pretty good kid in school, and when I was in second grade, we had a, a substitute teacher. We came in from recess. Substitute teacher says, hey, you got a big bruise on your head. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. You need to go to the nurse. I don't need to go to the nurse. Yeah, you need to go to the nurse. I don't need to go to the nurse. I don't have a bruise on my head. And she goes, did you run into something? I'm like, what? The, I think I'd remember if I ran into something on my forehead. Like, I didn't know, you know. I'd forgotten I had a birthmark, you know. And so we go back and forth. She's like, if you don't go to the nurse, I'm going to write your name on the board. I said, ma'am, I don't need to go to the nurse. And finally, she writes my name on the board, and I'm like in tears. I go to the nurse, you know. And the nurse is like, you do have a bruise on your head. And she calls my mom, and my mom's like, it's his birthmark, you know. And she's like, so I go back with a note, you know, it's his birthmark. He's Looks like an idiot, okay? So, you know, so like when I'm preaching and I get red-faced, like, man, he gets so red. Like, what's his problem? It's just my birthmark, all right? Y'all cut me some slack, okay? Like, man, I'm embarrassed enough. But God made that. Why did he make that? So I could have a sermon illustration this morning. And so, like, <laughs> and there's just nothing that's a surprise to me. When we connect to our Creator through Christ, God the Father knows you. He knitted you together. He's given you a purpose. There's no accidents. He wants to use everything about you for his fame and for his glory. Listen, he can even redeem your sin and use it for his fame and glory. If you'll repent, 
trust in him. But our problem is this. We are yoked to our sin. We're yoked to our sin. Now, the passage doesn't say this, but I think it implies it. So uh, this next passage, we're gonna, we're gonna, right now I'm going to spin it in a negative light, and then I'm going to spin it in a positive light. It's probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I, you should probably memorize it, or at least be super familiar with it. So Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me for for I am gentle and lowly in heart and and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, these are, church, these are some of the sweetest words ever spoken to us. They're so beautiful. But you first have to understand your problem to understand why they're sweet. Now, I've read a ton of things and, and on this idea of yoking and, and, and you know, I, Jesus here is speaking to an agrarian culture and they all worked with animals and, and they got it right away. And I've heard so many big, big explanations about this, this story. I think it's really simple. I think we over, I think some commentators given too much. It's just really simple, okay? It's really simple. In Bible times, if, and when you did a, a agricultural work, you would use what was called a yoke, and you would, you, would, you would bound two strong animals to harness their power and to get your work done, okay? And what you would do is you would, most farmers would yoke a stronger animal an older, stronger animal with a younger one that they wanted to train. So, so the farmer would be getting, getting the power of the two animals out of the yoke, but the farmer would also be training the younger animal. And so over here would be the stronger animal, the one that had mastery, the one that would listen to the owner. And, and this one would really, in some ways, even though it was doing some of the work, it was being drug around by the stronger, more mature, older animal. And it was yoked. And it was, in some ways, it was subservient to the, to the stronger, more mature animal. And so what Jesus is doing here, I think, was a common illustration that, that, I, think, that I think, you know, the, the, the hearers of this text immediately understood. And what he's saying is all of us go through life being yoked to something. See, this morning, it's not, a, it's not a matter of if, if you're yoked to something. It's a matter of what you are yoked to that has mastery over your life. And some of you, man, you're, you're here this morning, and you're yoked to religion. And if I do, 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 man, then God is somehow pleased with me, and you're here, and you're spiritually exhausted. When have you done enough? And some of you here this morning, and you're yoked to another relationship. You're, you're dating, you're single, and you're dating someone, and this person, instead of molding you and leading you to be more like Jesus, man, it's consumed your heart and you're yoked to it. And if you're really off course, you're in sexual sin, and so you're, you're in oneness, you're one flesh before you're married, before you're committed, both relationally and financially and every other way. You're, you're yoked together through sexual sin, and now, instead of this gift of 
sex, which is supposed to be enjoyed between a husband and wife, it's now a burden. And now, I mean, you're so afraid I'm going to lose this relationship because you're one before it's time. It's a good thing, but it's a good thing gone bad. Now it's become sinful, and you're yoked, and this relationship is always hanging on, and it's just a burden. Some of you are yoked to an addiction, man. You got, it's the next drink, man. The next drink, and one drink turns to two, turns to five, turns to 12. And, and suddenly, man, it's just you're drinking all day or you're getting high all day because the next addiction, you know, we're, all, we're in this stupid debate about whether or not marijuana, well, once marijuana is legal, I guess it'd be okay, you know. And it's just stupid because at the end of the day, you're just yoked to something. And it has mastery over you. And suddenly, man, that next high is not enough, and I need the next thing, and I need the next thing, and it's just this burden. And we come in here, man, and we're burdened, and we're heavy laden because we've yoked ourselves. Some of you have yoked yourself to finances. Right? If, I just, if I just make enough money, and you save, and you scrim, and you're worried, and the 401k, and, the, you know, and on and on, and because of that, you're not generous, and you never give anything away, because how could I give anything away? Because I need it. And in that, man, you're, you're watching CNN and Fox News every day getting a business update, and you're you know, tied to the Dow Jones Industrial, and on and on it goes. But it's just this burden of, man, do I finally have enough that my stuff, my money will save me? And what God has intended for good, and by the way, it's okay to live off the fruit of your labor and have some blessing, but man, instead it becomes a burden. For some of you, it's your, it's your family even. You can, you can put your family over here, man. It's just like, I'm so worried. What if I parent wrong? What if this and what if that? And on and on it goes, you know. And, and eventually they grow up and they make their own decisions. They don't make the decisions you wish. And, and suddenly you're carrying that burden like, man, I'm a failure as a parent. And the list goes on and on and on. Why? Because the, the children and the family have the wrong place in your life and you're yoked to that. Some of you are yoked to pornography, man. And look, the electronics is a gift and it can be used for good. But man, you can't turn yours on without shame and guilt and you're yoked. And like, oh, if anybody found out or my spouse found out or my roommate or my parents, the list goes on, the yoke and it's heavy. And I'm coming in here and I'm anxious and it's like, man, I'm just heavy laden. I'm yoked to my future, man. What's my? I was, I was told since I was two that I could be great, and there's going to be great things. And I'm yoked, and I'm yoked, and I'm yoked, and maybe it's not turning out quite the way I'd hoped. And I'm just yoked. I'm heavy laden, and I'm burdened. Man, the list goes on. Man, the list goes on. Your heart can gravitate to so many things. Success, business, and car, and yard, and, and, and you end up like the hamster. You know the hamster on the wheel that At some point you, you come in here on Sunday morning and you're like, man, I, I hope the preacher's got his act together because I'm exhausted. I hope that music is just right because, man, I need it. 
listen, I need it too, and I get all that, but, but man, I, we should be feeding throughout the week because we're not yoked to something that creates burdens. And listen, we take things that God has created. God has created money to be a good thing. He's created sex to be a good thing. He's created influence to be a good thing. But man, when that becomes the all in all, man, the family is a good thing. I could go on and on with that. But man, when it becomes the, when it becomes the, the thing that has mastery, it becomes a, bro- a burden. We become weary. We become heavy laden. And we can be set free with the simple words of Jesus. Ready? Here it is. Come to me. Just come to me. And Jesus invites us into relationship. Jesus Jesus doesn't say clean your act up first. Listen, if you came in here this morning and you were like, man, I can't go to church because the doors will fall down. You don't understand the call of Jesus. It's It's not clean up first. Just come to me. I'll take care of the clean up. And by the way, Jesus doesn't say be religious. He says, follow me. Yes, that requires calling sin a sin. If you're tangled in sin, let's stop sugarcoating it. Let's stop saying, well, I messed up a little bit. It's called a sin. Let's repent of our sin. Let's, let's throw off the crap. Let's call it what it is. I'm yoked to a sin. I'm yoked to myself. I'm going to throw that off, but I'm, I'm going to be yoked, but no longer am I going to be yoked to sin, man. I'm going to be yoked to Christ. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to receive him like a child. I need, I have been yoked long enough, and I need to be saved from my yoke that's killing me. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, God in flesh, who lived a perfect life, who died a death on a cross. And when he died on that cross, all my shame and all my guilt to the thing I've decided to yoke myself to was paid for by him. I don't bear it anymore. He bore it for me. And he laid him in a grave, and three days later, he rose again that we might have the hope of eternal life. And when we yoke ourselves to him, church, we find rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all your labor and your heavy laden. Guess what I give you? I give you rest. It's not, you're not freed up to do whatever you want. By the way, yoke yourself. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle. I'm lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The invitation this morning is that Jesus gives you rest. Jesus gives you rest. Now let's talk about this for a minute. How do we get spiritual rest from Jesus? Number one, we find freedom from earning our salvation. This is why the the gospel of Jesus is incredibly important to you finding rest. Jesus lived a perfect life so that when you repent of sin and you believe in him, you're now yoked with Christ and the righteousness of Christ is now gifted to you by grace through faith so that when you stand before your creator, he no longer sees sinner, he sees saint. 
perfect because the righteousness of God has been gifted to us through Christ. Freedom. Secondly, we have freedom from the things that rob us of peace and joy. So in other words, because Christ paid for our sin on the cross, and when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit now indwells us, and we get to learn, and we get to grow to be more like Christ. No longer do we have to go back to the sin garbage that robs us of peace and joy. We can now walk in holiness and righteousness because the Holy Spirit now indwells us, and our sin has been paid for. Some of you are living in the past. Man, there's a sin of the past that just keeps you holding you back, and every time God is challenging you to grow spiritually. The, uh, Satan or your mind or something whispers in your ear, well, you'll never be anything. And so you go to God and you say, forgive me for what I did in the past. And you know what he's saying? What sin? It's forgiven as far as the east is from the west. So we have freedom in things that rob us. And finally, we have freedom because our eternity is settled. And why is our eternity settled? Because they took Christ, they laid him in the grave, and three days later he rose again to eternal life. And so no longer do I have to walk through life worrying about every little thing because I know that eternal life is promised. It's already been accomplished through the resurrection of Christ. And when he comes again and our faith becomes sight, man, our soul and our body will be reunited forever and ever and ever and ever to eternal life. And so now, guess what? Hurricanes coming. Anxiety levels go up. And I can ask the question, man, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Or to a loved one that knows Christ? Well, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? I guess I could die. But if my yoke is right, the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ, what? To guy is gain. So what's the worst thing that happened to me? I go be with God. Not bad, right? And so man, that frees us up to be radical, to be free. Man, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? I could go be with the Lord. And so we have the freedom to take risks. And I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm talking about believing in the word of God. And we're free to be confident, trusting in the word of God. That's why Jesus said, learn from me. Yoke yourself to me and learn from me. I think what he's talking about is the word of God. I think the reason so many Christians struggle with spiritual growth and freedom from sin is we struggle in trusting the word of God. I want you to hear me on this. When you yoke yourself to Christ, you can trust that the word of God is good for you. And it's true. And it's trustworthy. I can take my thoughts captive and make sure that the things that I'm thinking about and the things that I'm believing measure up with the word of God, believing and understanding that God's word is best for me. And when we choose to do otherwise, when we choose to date and sleep around before we get married, we're choosing to say, you know what, I I think I'm going to yoke myself to sin. That was better. 
When we choose to hang on to anger in our hearts to someone that's hurt us, right? And we choose to hang on and we say, you know what? Uh, uh, rather than believe that God is the ultimate judge and God will take care of judgment and I can turn judgment over to God so now I'm free from the hurts of my past, we hold on to them because we go, man, that is better. And when we hold on to finances and we choose never to be generous with our finances, it's because we believe storing away stuff is better. And we choose to indulge our flesh and do the things that we want to do the way we want to do them. We choose to say, my way is better. Or we can learn from Christ. And we connect to Christ, we connect to our Creator, our Creator made it all, and He knows how it best works, and we know that His Word is good, and it's true, and it's trustworthy, and it's best for me. Yes? And I want you to be yoked to Christ this morning. So when I'm yoked to Christ, I can date with purity, I can give generously, I can forgive freely, I can live joyfully, I can trust like a child, and I can think with an eternal perspective, and I can believe, and I can act on what is true. And guess what? When we do that, Jesus' yoke is freeing. Jesus' yoke is life-giving. Jesus' yoke is good. Jesus' yoke is true. Jesus' yoke is best. Why? Because I've connected back to my Creator through Christ. That's why the Apostle John writes in 1 John, he says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And what about His commandments? His commandments are not what, church? They're not burdensome. They're freeing. They're life-giving. They're true, they're trustworthy, and they're good. So if you want to get off the hamster wheel, if you want to unburden yourself, and we're all yoked to something. And I've got news for you, by the way, when, when, I, when I come in here, when, when I find my spiritual needle getting pegged, I pause and I ask myself, what am I yoking to right now that's not Christ? And what is it that I'm believing? What is it that I'm hoping in? What is it that I think is going to give me life besides Christ? And inevitably, it's a worldview, it's a thinking pattern, it's a behavior where I keep saying, you know what? I think my way is better than God's way in the moment. Yoke yourself to Christ. Come to the end of yourself like a little child. Acknowledge, man, I don't have it all together. I know the one who does. Let go of the sin and yoke yourself to Christ. Jesus said, come to me, all who, are la- all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, 
because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's close with prayer. If you're here this morning and your burden is heavy, and as I've been talking, you realize, you know what, I've, I've yoked myself to some stuff that has created heavy burdens. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to unyoke. We've got to call it what it is. Let's call it sin. Let's call it rebellion of the ways of God. And I want you to follow Christ. Jesus simply said, come and follow me. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. He's already done the work for us. So I want to give you an opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer. If that's you this morning, God's touching your heart by the power of the Spirit and the power of His Word, this is, a, this is a supernatural, special moment for you. Leave different this morning. Leave having settled matters with your Creator. I'm going to pray a prayer as a guide for you to do business with God Almighty. Heavenly Father, It's become clear to me this morning I have yoked myself to sin. And I have come in here burdened and heavy laden, God, with the things of the world. And as best I understand it, I I believe, God, that you loved me. You sent your son. He died for me, paid for my sin, paid for my shame. And rose again that I might have eternal life. And and God, this morning I I unyoke, I repent. And I'm following Christ. Knowing that he loves me. That your word is best for me. Knowing that your yoke is easy. And your burden is light. Today, I walk out of here lighter, knowing I'm following Christ and that He's got it. He takes the things that are bad, turns them into good. He provides for our every need, that all things work together for good to those that love Christ and are called according to His purposes. I trust Christ. I follow Christ this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving me, God, and sending your son. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.